welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear, and I am your host. The Electric Theory's mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We feel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Today's guest is Victoria Cray. She was born and raised in Las Vegas and fully engulfed in the hospitality industry from a young age. After graduating from UNLV with a degree in hospitality and management, she continued her career working at many world-renowned hotels, including the Wind Resort, MGM Grand Hotel and Casino, and the Palms in Las Vegas. She has worked with the production team on some of the biggest conventions and festivals to date, including the Electric Daisy Carnival, CES, Magic, Intel Summit, and many more. As the Director of Nightlife and VIP Service for Jeff Beecher and Beecher's Madhouse in Las Vegas and Hollywood, she launched her nightlife management career in a big way. After moving to Dallas, she was the Food and Beverage Director at the Statler Hotel in downtown Dallas and was operating partner in her first restaurant, Bitter End. Returning to the hotel industry, she became the Vice President of Sales, Marketing, and Strategic Partnership for Refined Hospitality Concepts which included the Statler Hotel, Refined Hospitality Concept Catering, and Primo's MX Kitchen and Lounge. In this role, she was responsible for the beverage department as a whole, long-term community partnerships in the marketing department, and overall branding for each concept in the company. She has consulted on music venues, bars, and restaurants, and large-scale events for the past five years in Dallas. In early 2022, she was asked to join the opening team of Carbone Dallas and assisting in the opening for all major food group properties in Dallas, working with MFG to manage all VIP clients, restaurants, operations, and flow. Carbone is on track to do $20 million in 2023 and has been in the top five for TAB sales in Dallas since opening. She has most recently partnered with Adrian Vernon, a well-known Dallas restauranteur to create on-brand hospitality. Please help me welcome Victoria Cray. We have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Victoria, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to jump into your journey. We've known each other from like a distance for a little bit. But I'm excited to walk down your hospitality journey and see what that has folded like for you. Let's do so it. you graduated from UNLV, correct, in Las Vegas. Let's start there. So graduated with a hospitality and hotel management degree. What so was I, that like? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Las Vegas. I was born and raised in Vegas. So that's always an interesting conversation at parties. People yeah. are like, is that crazy? But I went to a private Catholic school. It was very sheltered. And, okay. and I graduated high school at 16 and okay. was in college. And I actually wanted to be a teacher in okay. high school. And then when I got to college, I was in the education program at UNLV. And they dropped the education program my freshman year. No way. I swear. And so, so you were going there to pursue teaching. Yes. <laughs> and that got wiped out from underneath you. And so you were like, okay, plan B. Yeah. So my parents were in hospitality. My dad started Encore Productions in Vegas, which is like a big production company. Mm-hmm. And my mom opened several of the hotels in Vegas as well. So it was cool. I don't want to say it was a 
plan B, but, you know, you want to be like your parents, but you don't want to just follow directly in their footsteps. And then, so then I was there at UNLV and graduated with hospitality and couldn't imagine being a teacher now, to be honest. So I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And how was it growing up in the hospitality, like in the hospitality management realm with seeing your parents do that? Was it something like, I guess it was a positive experience to some degree if you wanted to pursue that as well? Yeah, I mean, my parents traveled a ton for a living, Mm -hmm. so I definitely was able to see the world more. Because I traveled with them some, but they also traveled without me a lot. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting as a kid, because obviously you want your parents to be there for you. but And they were, but I definitely got to see a lot of like the back of house of the Bellagio and the right. Mirage. And my internship was with EDC yeah. in Vegas. And yeah. so it's like just incredible experiences for yeah. sure. That's like absolutely yeah. wild. And I'm sure seeing like a kid being in like a high-end casino is completely different than like just being in a luxury resort as well. So how was like that realm growing up specifically in Vegas in my- the nightlife and all of it? <laughs> I mean, my... First, like, adult job. I was 21 and I'm making six figures running a nightclub. Wow. Just because I had, the day I turned 16, I got a job. Mm-hmm. And I just always wanted to work. And I think that's that's what Vegas can, I don't want to say do to a kid, but, like, right. everything is just go. Like, my yeah. parents worked a ton. Everyone I knew worked a ton. And it's just because it doesn't stop. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a great thing to take away from Vegas. Yeah. But it's, it also can definitely be a negative in some ways. Sure. How did you land that first job? Was it because of your parents being in hospitality industry? Was it just like purely off of your hard work efforts in dedication? Like I just knowing the right people, being at the right place at the right time. So I was doing some modeling in Vegas when I was under 21. And a lot of the modeling was like atmosphere modeling. And you would go and sit in the club at like at nine o'clock and it was freezing. And I got to meet like a lot of the managers and the owners of the clubs and this club was at the MGM and they were hiring a director of VIP services was my title. And I just threw myself at him. I was like, not in that way, but yeah. like it and the job way. Yeah. And I was like, I can do this. Like, here's my resume. And I had only ever worked, I worked in like fine dining and never in nightlife because I wasn't 21, but I was like, I'm going to do this. And he hired me and he made me work a hundred hours a week. And it was crazy, wow. but, but it was worth it. After you had graduated. <clears throat> yes. This was right after I had graduated. This was Beecher's Madhouse at the MGM. How was that working at such a young age, a hundred hours a week, being thrown into this atmosphere and being adapted into the nightlife atmosphere as well? I mean, to date, that was still my most physically taxing job because I just did everything because I really felt like I had something to prove. And it was a very celebrity-driven concept. Mm -hmm. So we're like picking up Miley Cyrus from the airport and doing just birthday parties Mm -hmm. in L.A. So being – I don't think – I I obviously grew up fast, right? 16, high school, and college. Yeah. Did you go back and forth between both locations, Um, uh, Vegas and L.A.? I moved out to L.A. Okay. Um, when he when Beecher was trying to reopen the one at the Roosevelt and it never reopened. And so I lived in L.A. semi jobless for six months and then moved to Dallas. I was like, I got to get out of here. After what brought he was, you to Dallas? I was dating this guy that was horrible, but I'm still best friends <laughs> with his sisters okay. conveniently. Okay. Long game strong on that one. Yeah. But, uh, while you were in Vegas, like what? 
I mean, running these properties, what were some of the coolest experiences you had and some of the most like challenging? Because you worked at so many prestige casinos, resorts, hotels. I mean, you did it all. Yeah, I think definitely the job at Beecher's again, I know I keep going back to that, but yeah. was, I mean, I just got so I got a years of experience in a week because mm-hmm. of just the things that we were doing. And I think so we through I know I mentioned her previously, but we threw Miley Cyrus's birthday party in L.A. that year. Um, and it we rented out like this old club and it was like neon, like mushrooms and everything was just like. And like I said, I was sheltered a lot and it was just like a huge like celebrity party. And I was just like way in over my head <laughs> of trying to run security and like all of these crazy things. Yeah. But I would say I'm super organized and type A, so it went over very well. But like yeah. the paparazzi trying to break in was crazy. <laughs> she had to come up a back stairwell. We had to get her out in this like weird box thing. It was really strange. <laughs> wow. That was before she calmed down. That was her like height of crazy. What year? Like birthday was that for her? I think that had to have been 2015. Yeah, I think 2015. Okay, 2016 maybe. Do you remember how old she was turning? I think she's like a year. I think she's my age, so I think she would have been 24. 25. Okay. Okay. Wow. Our birthdays are like a couple weeks apart, so that's how Beecher convinced me to do it. He's oh, we can do a dual birthday party. I was like, no one's coming to my party with my. Like, <laughs> Like, give me a break. That's hilarious. And I have no friends in LA. So he's, no, it'll be fun. I'm like, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was fun for work, but it wasn't yeah. my birthday party. Did you ever feel just like completely out of your element or you weren't worthy of being there by being so young? And I'm sure there weren't a lot of other people comparable in age to you doing the same thing. Less in Vegas, actually, and more in Dallas, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, I think... It's a lot more difficult to get jobs in Vegas where if you get the job, like you, you've obviously been through the interview process. You've done the background check. Thing, like you're there for a reason. Yeah. I have definitely experienced more of that in Dallas. Of It's just like a good old boy state. You know? Yeah. And I was super young when I moved here, too. I was 23 and yeah. the blonde girl from Vegas. Right. <laughs> and definitely. What was your first like role here coming to Dallas? I was the assistant general manager at Levu Nightclub. Okay. <laughs> so still in the nightclub industry. Yeah. And what was that transition from Vegas to Dallas nightclub? How was that? Like, obviously, those are two completely different scenes. I don't even think you can compare the two, to be yeah. completely honest with you. The, I mean, Vegas nightlife is a full-blown industry. Dallas, mm-hmm. I think everyone here knows that the Dallas nightlife is... We have a very small nightlife scene. Right. It's not necessarily... It's not... Um, we're not known for our nightlife by yeah. any means. Yeah. Um, and Lavoo was definitely a smaller production for yeah. sure. I was definitely, um, a, <laughs> I don't want to say I was bored, but I was just like, what else can I do? I'm like right. doing payroll. I'm doing marketing. I'm doing like yeah. server uniforms. I'm hiring ballet and security. I'm like, all right, we guys, we got to do things. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, what was next? After that, I went and worked at the Jewel Hotel. Okay. And I was like within the first couple of weeks of Americano opening and was there very briefly. And then I went and opened again within the first week of Stir opening. Okay. In Deep Ellum. Yeah. And that that was like the that was a more like public facing, I mm-hmm. guess, role that I was used to. Cause that was very like in the scene at the time. And yeah. um, also had the tie to nightlife. There were 
couple months there that I would close STIR and then I would have to go close at Citizen yeah. <laughs> and do with paperwork and everything. Yeah. So I was always going to find myself back in nightlife somehow. Yeah. You Seriously. really are like a jack of all trades. Like you have literally ran every aspect in hospitality, which is similar to Riley's uh, experience from last week's episode as well. I mean, he threw himself out there and just went all in, was doing a little bit of everything, like trial and error. With that being said, what is your niche? What do you love to do in hospitality? I think I can answer that better in saying what I don't like to do in hospitality. (laughs) And what I've found is that I'm very good at organization and structure and procedures and processes and really like setting up a brand and setting up a restaurant for success Mm -hmm. and then training the right managers and then letting it flourish. I'm definitely not a good people manager. I have a very low uh, tolerance for bullshit. Yeah. and But it it comes from being from Vegas, right? Right. Like the things that people get away with here in Dallas, they just throw up 30 minutes late. They don't care. They're not getting fired. They're not getting written up. Like in Vegas, there's a line out the door of someone that wants your job. And so here, and I'm not, I can't unlearn that. And so... I would say I'm good at the processes and procedures, not yeah. the managing of yeah. people. Yeah. Or it just depends on what city you're in, too. Yeah. That completely makes sense. So right now in today's like current climate, what have you seen really being like a big issue in hospitality? What are some of the biggest issues? Is it people just being like slacking off and being lazy not being able to hire it's definitely staffing specifically in dallas i mean i don't study the staffing markets of hospitality in other cities but by far it's finding quality staff and dedicated staff hospitality you have to still give it your all even if you're a server because it's very emotionally taxing and you when you get there you have to turn it on and there's very few people that truly were born and, man, I really want to be a server. And so it's hard to find people that are passionate about being a server, passionate mm-hmm. about being a bartender, even though it can be a career. And right. there's only a handful of them in Dallas. Right. And there are people there are people up and coming and that are young and passionate. And that's just their personality in general. Mm-hmm. But staffing is definitely by far the hardest. Yeah. I had someone on a different podcast say that they think within the next coming years that technology will take over a lot of these people's jobs. And essentially, if you really want a quality sit-down meal and have someone that is serving you, you're going to have to pay a premium. Do you believe that to be true? Or what do you think will happen with like technology coming into the restaurant industry? And will it disrupt it or will just make it more efficient? When I went into hospitality after the the education major being dropped, which was horrible. But uh, I really thought, I was like, people are always going to need to eat. People are always going to want to go out to dinner. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, life makes you hypocrite because people do still need to eat, but I'm not serving tables or like serving people. And so I think the pandemic, it touched on how hospitality can affect or how Mm -hmm. technology can affect the hospitality industry. But again, at the end of the day, hospitality in and of itself with the definition like you can't you'll never be able to replicate that with right. a tablet with yeah. the f- food and beverage is only a part of the hospitality industry right. it's ha- what people don't even understand is when you walk into a restaurant and the lights are dim and the music is at the right level and it smell all of the casinos in Vegas smell have a different smell right yeah. like it's the five senses as well in hospitality and yes there are going to be fast casual concepts that you're going to be able to scan a QR code and get a drink and that's just for efficiency and 
at the end of the day, the cocktail waitress that brought you the beer at the the stadium probably didn't really change your look on hospitality or change your day. Like, I think high volume technology in hospitality is going to be affected and already has been. Mm -hmm. But like the true like restaurant business will still, I think, stay the same for the most part. Other than there's a lot of technology that is being integrated into hospitality right now that's going to actually help the hospitality industry be better. Like we're able to track like your allergies and the kind of wine that you drank the last time and your birthday and things like that where there's been the technology industry has already done that but it hasn't been integrated into hospitality because hospitality people don't really yeah get too involved in that but even in the last six months I've been reached out to by three different groups asking about a full integrated technology system essentially or like how it would look in hotels or businesses where it's like because there are a lot of numbers that go into hospitality, like how much food you're buying, food waste, right. weather, right. and like all of that data. There's not really one program that reads that data and makes anything of it to anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there will be some technology, but I think it's going to be more back of house yeah. than affecting guests. Yeah. And in the front of the house, like you can't replace having that personal interaction versus a robot or... Yeah, imagine like walking into a restaurant and they're like, a screen pops up and it's go to table 12. And you like walk in and you sit at table 12. Like, I don't think anyone would really want to come back to that. It's like the host is smiling. Hi, how are you? Welcome in. I don't think that's ever. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone out there that does it. But I don't think that'll be in our lifetime. Maybe something like a concept to go see. It's like that restaurant in New York where they have the projector on this screen and they play like the whole, I forget what the name of it is, but the whole concept is based around technology and it's like, there for the show and presentation but it's still a fine dining interactive with human connection restaurant so right i guess they're just integrating both of them together so now you are at carbone correct and you have a full presence there yes so i opened carbone and carbone vino for major food group as the maitre d and most recently since i've had a baby i work for the corporate team now in guest relations so i okay. book reservations for them awesome do all of that. and carbone is doing very well and this was actually something i was thinking about yesterday and i don't know why it was on my mind but i was driving through downtown and i saw a restaurant that had opened within the last three years they did great marketing. It was a beautiful restaurant and they just never made it like it never took off. But I was thinking, what is the difference of a restaurant that is in a great location, has all the tools and resources to be able to be successful, has a good concept, everything like that, but just no one comes versus something like Carbone that literally since the day is opened, I feel like that's all anyone talks about and like raves about, which is great. But what is the difference of a restaurant like thriving versus just not making it? I think that obviously Carbone is a huge, massive brand, right? There's a global presence of Carbone. Um, So I don't necessarily think it's fair to even compare um, because they have 10 years of, I think it's 13 years now, 10 years of Carbone, 13 of the group um, of just perfecting Mm -hmm. what they've done and I honestly like working with that group is amazing. They're super organized and just amazing at what they do. Yeah. Honestly, it like reminds me of home. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a breath of fresh air in Dallas, honestly, yeah. for somebody like me. But I think 
to compare it to a another restaurant, but you know, if it was a local operator, I think that they you have a hard harder time reaching multiple demographics in Dallas because there are so many different layers of a restaurant. Like mm-hmm. we said before, it's like the lighting, the food, the ambiance, the yeah. it's the parking shit. Right. <laughs> Dallas is a very fickle market. And like, it's very saturated too, which yes. I'm sure Vegas also is. It's more difficult to even open a restaurant in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but I think also like hospitality. Mm-hmm. It, like the thing about Carbone, yes, the food's great. The, the restaurant is beautiful, but like every server, like it's an experience when you mm-hmm. go, you know, the server knows your name. Like you're, yeah. you know, you're having a great time. You're going to leave with a memory. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of operators in Dallas have a hard time with that because they're focusing on, the food and the drinks and yes right. that is a piece of hospitality but you have to have the right people too right like the people that serve your food are just as important as the serve the food that's on the table honestly in my opinion yeah absolutely a waiter or waitress can make a whole experience at that restaurant completely different regardless of the quality of the food oh yeah key success of what you look for in finding the right servers i can't teach you passion is what i tell people and i can't make you want to be here yeah and Again, like I said previously, like you don't have to want to be a bartender for the rest of your life. I don't need you to want to win a Michelin star. It's okay. But what I look for is like individual personality. Like you don't need to fit into the box of, okay, this is an Italian restaurant. You need to be Italian. You just need to be yourself. And confidence is a huge thing. Yeah. If they're not confident, even if you mess up the whole order (laughs) and you joke about it and and you can make someone at the end of the day, like the people that you're serving are people. You're a person. Yeah. You just need to be able to relate to that person and yeah just be a people person really yeah yeah absolutely so this is new for you i just mentioned that you are a mother and (laughs) just had a baby girl 10 days ago yes so how is that now especially transitioning to the corporate side how is that being a working mother obviously this is very new to you um yeah i mean so adrian my husband and i we own a consulting company Mm -hmm. and so we have a we have several like large contracts out now that we're consulting for restaurant operators in town. And the good thing about, even though Adrian and I are very similar, we do very different things in the hospitality world. I'm very, like I said, we're like very organized. I like the programs, the processes, and a lot of that I can do from home, like the handbooks, the payroll, setting up those programs. Yeah. So I think that will be, I don't don't know if it'll be an easy transition, but I do know that a lot of what I can do and what I do is, can be done from home Mm -hmm. or done from the computer. Adalia will be, she'll be, proficient in excel any day now (laughs) when she's not sleeping she'll just be right on excel working by her mom and dad learning these spreadsheets exactly (laughs) and we're opening a roller rink so she's gonna have to learn how to roller skate oh really where's this roller rink gonna be at in the design district okay across from like double d's over on riverfront cool so we've been doing a lot of like we've done some branding and marketing for it but like we're like a full-blown in the can like construction, yeah. plans, fades, permitting. Um, we did a press release in March and it went viral. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like millions of shares viral. Wow. And so we're, sorry, I didn't know. I probably just jumped ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this. I didn't know that you guys were working on other concepts outside of like food and beverage. So that's cool. It isn't necessarily outside of food and beverage because it's going to be a roller rink with a restaurant bar. So it's a event space nightclub 
restaurant okay. disguised as a roller rink. Right. Really. So it's just the entertainment and activity piece to come and put your skates on. It's like what Top Golf did to golf, where golf right. was some I don't want to say it was unapproachable, but if you wanted to roller skate in Dallas right now, you gotta go forty five minutes out. And it's really having its moment. I don't know if you've seen, but every commercial, every everything is like Adrian and I are like on the freeway, we're like, there's a roller skating billboard. Like at the grocery store, there's like a bag of Lay's chips with a roller skater on it. Yeah. Like, What's going on? But no one's really owned that market or like right. really taken it and made it into the, I don't want to say new age because it's mm-hmm. not going to be like futuristic, but because it is going to be like 80s still, but it's not going to be sticky. The floor is not going to smell right. weird. And <laughs> we'll do batch cocktails and like high end, like bar food. So you can rent like booths around the rink and very like, cool. Because it's hard to find a place in Dallas where you can come bring 20 friends without $5,000 minimums. Yeah. So that's the, I'm going to use my nightlife experience. What's the name of this? It's called Ride On. Ride On. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I like it. What is the time trajectory of that opening up? Do you have it? I knew that. (laughs) Timeline. Permitting with the city is just my favorite thing I've ever done. And my favorite ones. But it will definitely open in the new year for sure okay sometime in 2024 (laughs) that's awesome can you paint a little bit of perspective or insight for someone maybe that's new to hospitality or wants to get deeper into it of like how they can best utilize their skill sets and tie everything together because you have also like a marketing background with some of the concepts that you've opened or like you were saying about like the back-end payroll the being in the front of the house back of the house like all of it in between how can someone learn how to utilize themselves best and get knowledgeable about all of the different facets of hospitality as a whole to increase their skill set? I think, I mean, I have a very unique situation because not a lot of people study hospitality yeah. all into it, yeah. which is why I think I have the passion, I guess. It sounds yeah. so strange, but like the passion for doing the like right. computer work that no one wants to do. But I think just... There's so many like courses and different like avenues that you can go down in hospitality. Like I like was in charge of a wine program at Mm -hmm. Stir. So I took my sommelier courses. So now I'm a Mm -hmm. som (laughs) and that was difficult. But and then in the pandemic, I was bored. So I just took a certification for tequila. Mm -hmm. There's always I would say figure out not necessarily the concept that you're working on, but like look at what you're good at and then decide what you're not good at. Yeah. And there's going to be a course for it. There's going to be just something that you can better yourself online. I mean, there's your technology with hospitality. There's definitely going to be something online that you can do or even don't be afraid to hire someone better than you. Yeah. I've always said that. They're they're not going to take your job. Right. Hire them. So right. you can always learn from the people around. Hopefully you can learn from the people around you. Yeah. And don't be afraid to admit what you don't know. Yeah. Totally. I agree with that 100%. And I know it's a very like humbling experience when you do hire someone that is better than you and you have to put yourself like mentally in that position of knowing, hey, it's okay if that they're smarter than me in this area. Even though I'm their boss, I can like take a back seat and learn from the expert in this department. So that is a very humbling experience and great to just keep on the forefront. Okay. If we can jump to the jar question, if you don't mind opening the jar reading i believe the green slip of paper if you weren't doing what you do now what would you secretly want to do for a career why is it going to be a secret <laughs> you had said a teacher right. but now you said you wouldn't be a teacher at all anymore 
I would be a mom. Adrian and I joke that I would be a lawyer because I'm so black and white and just very by the book. And yeah. I love rules. Yeah. <laughs> not very fun at parties, but um, <laughs> it's okay. You're great at throwing up, just maybe not fun at no. the party himself. No. That's okay. I'm like, why is everything sticky? I don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> The picture that you painted of the roller rink of beer being spilled on the floor, it's sticky. I think that just put everyone back in their childhood being on that roller rink, literally. That's really the point. It's very, it's going to be very nostalgic, but um, very, uh, it's not futuristic. Adrian's so much better at explaining it. clean. Yeah. It's like (laughs) hot pink, hot purple, like, um, you got to check out our Instagram because there's a rendering on there of um, what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of Instagram, where can people find you and stay up to date on all the fun things that you have going on? Or maybe they have a question for you and want to get in contact with you. What's the best way to reach out? Yeah, I guess Instagram, Tori, T-O-R-Y underscore Cray, C-R-A-Y. And then all of my links for the concepts are on there on my bio. Awesome. I'm going to leave with one last question for the next generation coming up. What is the best advice that you could give them if they are considering pursuing hospitality? What is the best advice that you would give someone younger than yourself that would be fulfilling the next role? Be honest with yourself and with who you're working for and don't be afraid to work hard because this the generation that is currently under me does not want to get their hands dirty whatsoever. Yeah. And um, especially for me, like that's very difficult mm-hmm. to see. And working hard is, I mean, it's everything. And you're known by the company you keep. Yeah. Choose your friends wisely. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. <laughs> Victoria, thank you so much for being here. This has been a fun uh, journey down the walk of your <laughs> life with all your fancy hotel experiences so thank you very much for being a guest and we will catch you guys next time on the electric theory podcast thank you for having me it was another good day we had another good day and if you line up enough good days fuck around have a good life <laughs>